Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Yes, we are back with another fantastic episode of Hot Takes and Protein Shakes with yours truly, Tony Capobianco. To get this out of the way, I have uh, one more comedy date before uh, Thanksgiving. So if you are in the Nashville area and you want to come swing by, I am at the 404 Bar and Grill on Wednesday November 16th, I'll be doing comedy along with my buddy Johnny Narum. And this is going to be a fun comedy slash rock and metal show. So always a fantastic mix. I've actually seen a bunch of these bands before. We got like Bite the Zombie, Ink Suit, Saw Pedro, and a bunch of other bands. It's going to be fantastic. This is going to be at the 404 Bar and Grill at Elysian Fields Road here in Nashville. So... If you're around on Wednesday, definitely come check out and see some great comedy, some great bands. Dude, like Nashville is becoming more than just a music town. And for the longest time, it has been, you know, renowned as Music City, which of course it is. But it has grown into something much more than that. Like there's so many more performers out here. And it's kind of like L.A. minus the ass kissery. (laughs) Because... Like we're seeing plenty of bands, which is as, as expected, but we're also seeing more actors. We're seeing, I mean, the comedy scene here is fantastic. So shout out to all my other performers out there doing what you do. And uh, yeah, just making your art. But yeah, it's going to be a great time. Definitely come swing by for that. And I also want to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you in part by Redcon One. Yes, Redcon 1 is America's favorite supplement brand where they have everything you could possibly ask for for all your workout needs, whether it be energy, pre-workout, protein, fat burners, muscle builders, recovery, wellness, DNA, like fucking everything. (laughs) They check off all the boxes. So, yeah, I just got myself some mint chocolate chip uh, protein. Oh, my God, dude, this is so good. I mean, I thought I was like a sucker for the chocolate peanut butter, which is, you know... I mean, you can never go wrong without chocolate peanut butter, but I tried out the uh, mint chocolate chip, and oh my god, oh my god, that, that, is, that is so good. I mean, like, I, 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 I kind of wish it was bottomless. It, it is, uh, maybe it's just like catering to that inner sweet tooth of mine, because what I, what I do with my protein shakes is I take two scoops of that, and I do a spoon of uh, almond butter, and you would think mint chocolate chip and almond butter like what kind of mixes like protein hell is that but surprisingly it all works very well it's like a chimera of of meathead ingredients and it just works fantastic so yeah that's my that's become my new favorite flavor so if you want a special deal on all your wellness needs go to redcon1.com and use the promo code t20 tony tell jokes that's right my username is my promo code you can save 20 percent off your order at if you go to redcon1.com and use the promo code t20 tony tell jokes now moving right along my guest today this guy is an awesome personal trainer i've uh, i appeared on his podcast the zach henderson project uh zach is just all around just cool chill laid-back guy but the guy is also like a bottomless well of knowledge and experience because on top of being a personal trainer, he's also a power lifter, a nutritionist, and he's a self-made man. 
which is very impressive. And if you saw what his place looks like, I'm like, God damn, this guy's got an eye for. <laughs> he's he's got a nice place, and he is uh, just a great guy to talk to. We have a lot to discuss on this episode. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. Zach Henderson, welcome, welcome. This is your first time here. Yes, Tony, thank you so much for having yeah. me. Yes, I actually just did your podcast uh, a few weeks ago. That was a great time, actually. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. It was certainly not as sophisticated as the setup you have here, but now, we make yeah, do. We're, uh, we're hanging out here at The Hideout, which is a little recording studio here in uh, Germantown of Nashville. And yeah, they got a great setup here. You got like this little cozy uh, podcast nook here right across the way. I don't know if you saw it. They have a couple of recording studios across from us for all the bands come through town. Mm -hmm. They have a little photo shoot area where it's all like retro and like, you know, 70s, 60s and 70s themed out there. So they got a good environment here. Yeah, this is amazing. I feel very spoiled. Well, hey, well, we record uh, your podcast in your cozy little living room. So I will say, like, you're, <laughs> you, got an, you got an eye for decorating. Yeah, well, that's the thing is I, I guess I pay rent and I can do whatever I want to in my own little apartment. So if I want to turn it into a podcast studio, well, I do it. Yeah, I mean, like, when, I, when we were hanging out in your place, it looks like something that was kind of like copy and paste it out, like better homes and gardens. Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, like if we went to my place, it was just like, <laughs> we're doing war-torn Ukraine right now. Oh God. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for saying that because I feel like I have no taste and uh, like maintaining house plants sometimes feels like a like weird, like it sounds, it sounds easy. I think I'm just now figuring out that the secret, at least with the plants that I have, is to actually not water them. So I think I've given them too much love and they all die out. So I think when you came in, I had just gotten a fresh batch of houseplants. Ah. So it was good timing on your part. Or you could just go plastic. I guess I could. I guess I could. That's just it's just not my style. I would rather have like wilted real flowers than pretty fake ones. There you go. That that's the spirit. Is that is that a quotable? <laughs> I guess so. Um, did you did you like a lot of people actually uh, during COVID fell into the whole uh, plant, um, I guess care scene. I guess yeah. so it's like a whole plant people community, which I didn't even know existed. I mean, I guess people like I liked having plants, but not to the point where it's like it's part of who you are. <laughs> yes, people will build their identities and their egos around a lot of funny things and the whole plant parent thing is is definitely one of those no i just when it came to 2020 uh i just got outside as much as possible so i got my plant fix um through mother nature yeah i um i didn't do that no <laughs> no i got no i had to get outside you know like like during covid when it was at its height I don't know how it was down here, but back in Boston, it was very strict. And sure. Like, like the gyms, they basically, you had to sign up almost 24 hours in advance for an hour slot. Oh, so, so they managed the inflow and outflow of the gym by actually doing appointments. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. Like the, the gym I was going to, for one, you need to wear a mask while mm -hmm. you worked out, which to me was hard sure you know let alone try to breathe with that thing like let alone heavy breathing with that thing on also um 
yeah, whether you were vaxxed or not, you need the mask. Also, you had to, there's only like maybe 25 slots, which blew my mind because it was a good-sized gym, mm -hmm. and you had to do the whole social distancing, and and you had to wipe down everything with sanit sanitizing shit, and it was just... It was like it was just something at an obscene level of treating a gym where I where whereas now you can just walk in, do your thing, walk out, game over. That's yeah. it. Well, yeah, man. You know, it's it was a wild time. It was a wild time. It's kind of interesting, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty and we can we can lob uh criticisms left and right. But um I can remember when a few weeks, I suppose, into lockdowns, and my apartment complex sent out an email saying that one of our residents tested positive for COVID. And I freaking was like, can I not even go down the stairs anymore? Can I not even like expose myself to the uh, to the hall, to the air in the hallways. So I will admit, I I definitely succumbed to a little bit of the panic. But um, on the training front, I was also very lucky in the sense that, um, you know, I'm kind of into minimalist style training. So um, having a like, you know, as you saw, having a small collection of kettlebells at home kept me busy, kept me sane. Obviously, taking those kettlebells like outside, out to the park was fun. Um, and then from the client side, I really do mostly in-home training sessions. So I, I was not at the mercy of um, a corporate gym or like a, you know, a brick and mortar uh, business um, to continue my own business. So you know, there for a number of months, the only, you know, people I really saw were my clients, you know, obviously in the privacy of their own homes. And a lot of times the only the only person that my clients saw outside of their own family was me, the personal trainer who who showed up. So uh yeah, it was a pretty interesting dynamic through through twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, I figured that would be like a you know, a good uh loophole around it because rather than just rely on a brick and mortar gym i mean you are your own business so all you yeah. really need is just your library of kettlebells and just go to somebody's house and that's it yeah that's that's kind of the way that i like to operate you know low or i should say really no overhead um lots of freedom in terms of your schedule and you know hey working for yourself has its has its pros and cons but you know especially after you know, lockdowns and everything, um, any desire that I had to open up my own gym, like, quickly evaporated. I get Well, let me ask you this. So within that, like, you know, I guess the post-COVID or whatever stage we call, we're calling it now, um, did you find yourself, I know I found this with myself, I had, like, a freshman 15 going on. So, I mean, I still, like, took care of myself. I exercised regularly. Sure. I, you know, ate healthy. Of course, knowing what I know now, I would have changed things differently. But, you know, uh, I feel like with everybody all cooped up inside, you know, I mean, what is there left to do other than, like, you know, mow down whatever goodies you have in the fridge? Yeah. Yeah. DoorDash and DoorDash and chill, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I don't know, man. You're actually probably going to laugh. Um, I... I like to flirt with the extremes of 
human existence. Um, so when lockdowns happened, I actually took that as an opportunity to start exploring prolonged fasting. Pro- what does that mean? It basically means not eating for two or three days. Oh, damn. <laughs> wow. Yeah, You're man. A glutton for punishment. Something like that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have a little masochistic streak every now and then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how could, I mean, I'm sure, like, how could you stand it? Like, two or three days? Yeah, yeah. Well, usually, like, the day, like, leading up, I would eat probably a little bit more than what I normally would just to, you know, shore up those calories. Uh, but what's funny is, uh, the biggest thing food wise that I got into over uh, lockdown was uh, steaks, ribeye steaks. Mm. So I would take down a whole thick ribeye, fat and all, and that would, I mean, it's, it's, uh, sounds kind of goofy, but that would last me for two days. Now, obviously, uh, what I should say is is that when you eat a lot of high fat, high protein, uh, you're also not necessarily at the mercy of these like blood sugar spikes and that whole thing. That's that's what really makes fasting like really really hard is when you have these like sugar cravings, stuff like that. So, not that I say that I'm not to say that I'm recommending any of this stuff. I was just <laughs> experimenting because we didn't have anything else to do. Um, but yeah, so you do go through periods where it's like, oh gosh, I'm like freaking out. I'm so, so hungry. But honestly, man, um, just speaking for myself, you kind of just meditate through it for 20 or 30 minutes and your hunger cues just kind of go away. And, uh, personally what I found is after about 24 hours, um, I don't know, I guess you could call it like your body switching into like fat burning metabolism or whatever you want to call it. But um, what I experienced was just a very steady stream of just kind of calm energy. Hmm. Yeah, because only because the only thing I can picture in my mind is you kind of doing one of those like food challenges that you have at restaurants, you know, where you got to eat this 72 ounce steak sides and all right within like 30 minutes or else the mo- and if you do it like the meal is free like right. was it, was it like, i wouldn't say at that level but did it feel like that where you just have just one large meal to carry you for two or three days um i wouldn't say i wouldn't say like i stuffed myself but i think there's something to this idea where if you are going to do um you know, a prolonged fast, you definitely want to make sure, I think, that, you know, kind of the prerequisite to all this stuff is that you're already fueling your body in a highly nutritious way anyway. So take your vitamins and minerals, kids, Mm -hmm. stay hydrated, get your electrolytes, all that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the main thing specifically like for me, because I have a hell of a sweet tooth. And if I have something sweet, something sugary, I'm probably going to want to eat more sweet, sugary things for at least the next day. Oh, man. You, you can't do it. I'm in the same boat because uh, I just came back from Vegas not too long ago, and I fell completely off the wagon while I was out there. 
I mean, if you've ever been out to Vegas, I mean, like, stuff's just everywhere. And you can't be like, I mean, I might, I might as well. I mean, I'm already here. Right. You know, so I had, what did I have? Like, you know, I had brownies. Oh, I had this extra rich fudge cake. Um, what, what else did I have? Uh, ice cream sundaes. I had this thing called Kilimanjaro, which which is just this really good, like, coconut ice cream sun dude i i fell completely off but you know what it's like this is the first time i felt like this in a long 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 time sure because i haven't i can't remember last time i even came remotely close to that Mm -hmm. like maybe i'll treat myself uh to my cheat which is i like to have gelato like every couple of weeks so i'm like yeah that you know it's a you know prolong it um what's the phrase uh uh prolong says Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. (laughs) I I love delayed gratification. Yeah, man. Oh, it's like, you know, once you go two weeks without something at least, then you have, it's like, oh, it's all the more, it's like Christmas. Right. You know? Well, so speaking, speaking to that point, you don't eat for two or three days. Your, your jaw, and you're not really like talking to a lot of people. Maybe you're not doing podcasts. Your jaw kind of gets used to not being used. Hmm. It's it, this sounds so crazy, but then you break your fast and you start eating again. Just the sensation of having food in your mouth and chewing is like a whole new thing. It's just like wow, you're like you're actually feels like you're exercising your jaw, which I mean, technically you you are. So there really is something to that you know, idea that, you know, delayed gratification makes things better, I think, to a certain degree, because you resensitize yourself Yeah. to things. Yeah, it's like you're experiencing it for the first time all over again. Yeah. Like with me, I don't know why this is, but for some reason, ginger ale on airplane just sound, just tastes amazing. Because <laughs> there's no other time or location or a situation where I'm having ginger ale mm. unless it's on an airplane. And when I have it, it's like, oh my God, I miss ginger ale because I'm never around it in everyday life. Right. You know? Right. And actually to to piggyback on delayed gratification, uh, while I was out in Vegas, uh, we also went to one of those fancy steak restaurants because mm. we were talking about steak earlier. And it was one of those, like, you know, $50, $60, $70 a steak kind of restaurants. Sure. And, like, you know, company picked up the bill. It's fine. And um, it was it was good, but not, like, $50 for a steak good. Mm. You ever got to eat one of those kind of places? Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, I think it's this is another kind of cliche thing to say. I don't think I've had a steak out at a restaurant that I would consider better than anything that I make at home. No, I'm, I'm the same. Now, granted, I probably haven't been to like the top of the top kind of steakhouse, but yeah, man. I mean, uh, there's it, well, especially like when you're in Vegas. Part of what you're paying for is the food. Much of what you're paying for is the experience, the vibe, the location, and obviously like the expense that it takes to like cart in yeah, all that food in, into yeah, the middle of the daily. desert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and I'm like not to dunk, I mean, cause there are like legitimate, like, you know, 
top of line chefs out there who could, you know, make basically an art piece out of a steak yeah. and not to dunk on them. But at the end of the day, it's going in my mouth and not my butt. Right. You know? it, all, it all ends up in the same place. Yeah. So, I mean, if you give me and like, you know, a bona fide, you know, five stars chef, the same piece of steak, granted, I'm sure his will come out better. However, I'm, you know, I'm not really cooking for taste. I'm cooking for basic nutrition. Right. And I right. mean, taste is good. I definitely season the hell out of it. But, you know, it's not like I'm going to like, you know, hang it up in the Louvre or anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's going in my mouth and not my butt. And, you know, there's no kind of like ego or attachment attached to it. Yeah. You know, that's another thing, and not necessarily to harp on the whole fasting thing. Um, but that's another thing that fasting, I think, can kind of help with is like breaking this emotional attachment to food. Like not every meal has to be like a trip to the circus for your no, mouth. You no. know, it doesn't have to be this work of art and it doesn't have to you don't have to eat till you're freaking stuffed to the gills. Right. So that's what Thanksgiving's for. Right. Exactly. <laughs> not to say there's anything necessarily wrong with any of those things, but, um, you know, not to sound like, uh, you know, like a crotchety old monk or anything like that. But the more like emotional crutches you have in your life, the more kind of emotionally vulnerable and susceptible you are to to just really just kind of being in a bad mood, you know, if, if nothing else. So. That's another thing that fasting and obviously other kind of, you know, nutritional approaches have helped me with is like, I, I love food sometimes to a fault and I, I love a nice meal out, but nine times out of 10, I just, I need the calories. So why not just simplify that? Exactly. Especially like with you and me, so much of our lifestyle is kind of revolving around training in the gym and obviously being like tight with our, our schedule. So, um, that's, uh, that's another, that's another thing that I really wanted to check myself with when it came to lockdowns is like, I could just as easily have had gone the other way and just, you know, really, really put on the, the 20, 20, yeah. 15 or do, the 20, 20, 20, as, as the case may be. Do some damage. Right. But but I knew, I knew. So I was like, okay, let me turn on my internal Steve Goggins and mm. and go the other way and be like, okay, I'm going to see how long I can not eat. Yeah. And actually what's interesting is um, it's also good because, like, I, I don't know about you. I mean, I only buy like, you know, six things from the grocery store and that's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, just almond milk, chicken, ground beef, you usually bison, uh, broccoli, asparagus, and eggs. Yeah. That's pretty much it. So once I see an empty fridge or for like something that's like 85% empty, I'm like, this is good. Yeah. Because you know, the last thing I would need is a bunch of other like junk or whatever tempting me on a daily basis. Yeah. Because they just dangle that carrot or whatever in front of me and sooner or later – you know, the more I look at it, it's like, you know, why do why do you keep ignoring me? Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, decision making and decision making fatigue is so important to keep an eye on. Like I if I walk down the ice cream aisle, I'm going to get ice cream. 
Like that's that's just oh well that's that's just me. That's just how my mind operates. So I just know that okay, if I'm gonna be tight on not stuffing myself with sugar, I'm just not even gonna go down that aisle. And then again, you build your your simple routine, your simple habit around um, buying groceries in the first place, and then you don't even have to deal with a the decision fatigue of walking past the ice cream aisle. B, you get it and then you stick it in your freezer, and it's like, okay, how long is that gonna last? How many times are you gonna open up your freezer, see that pint of Ben and Jerry's, and say no? You know, it all it all adds up. So if you can just kind of simplify, simplify your decisions, that'll all really add up and it'll free up so much mental and emotional bandwidth for your own mind. Very true. I mean, I was uh, I was just in the grocery store yesterday. I remember walking down the ice cream aisle. I know exactly the brand. I like it's uh, Talenti Gelato. I was going to say you're a gelato guy. Yeah. So Talenti is it. Yep. And I remember I walked past it and I see all the flavors and I just said to my, I will see you Friday. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I already have my flavor picked out. It's like the mint layered one with like a little fudge uh, cookies and you know mint ice cream and all that. And then I walk away. Ooh. It's like I'm teasing myself. All it's right. It's like a self-imposed torment slash tease. Yeah. And then I just go and grab broccoli. <laughs> Well, you're a better man than me in that in that respect. I don't even I don't even mess with the temptation. Well, I already told you um about uh my cooking hangover, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Where I mowed down four crumble cookies in one sitting. Yeah. And that was pretty much my you know attempt at fasting. I could I couldn't eat anything <laughs> for like 24 hours after that. Okay. Probably not the most recommendation uh <laughs> meal before fast. Yeah. Right. Well, hey. Whatever works. Yeah. Whatever works. But, you know, yeah, not to mention, like, my sugar levels just fucking <laughs> skyrocket. Up, up and down, oh, up and down. Oh, you can just imagine what the crash was like. Yeah. Oh, it was like thermonuclear. It was like, oh, I, got, I don't want to wake up. Cookie but, hangover. Oh, dude, it was, I mean, there's a difference between cookie hangover versus alcohol hangover because alcohol, I mean, I barely touch anymore. And I remember, like, when... Back in the day when I was like in my early 20s, like, dude, I could wake up out of a hangover like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, just give me a shot of Red Bull, I'm off to class. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas now it's just like, how am I still alive? Yeah. <laughs> and I could drink this exact same amount. And I would assume because, you know, because I'm a large guy, I can handle more. I can like, you know, because, you know, there's more of me for the alcohol to affect. So I can take on more alcohol to kind of balance it out. But as a result... I, it's like I bite off more than I could chew. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah you know, I'm I'm obviously a smaller guy, uh, and my tolerance is, you know, obviously not what it used to be. So, I am uh, privileged to be a lightweight <laughs> in that way. So we went out the other week, and yeah. you were you were drinking Liquid Death, and I was drinking Modelo's. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to touch on that. We went to, uh, yeah, Rosemary and the Beauty Queen, which I've never been to before. Mm-hmm. But it's like this little cool little, like nightclub, which is built around like a regular house. Yeah. Like you from the front, it looks like a regular house. But as soon as you walk in, there's like, you know, a lounge to the right, a bar. As soon as you walk in, there's a backyard with another bar and like a little kind of like a, 
almost like I want to say like a dance floor, but they have a place for like a DJ. Then they have another bar in the bomb level. Then they have another bar on top of that, where is where we were hanging out uh, later on. And that was a good time. And I, and yeah, I got a few looks at the liquid death because for one liquid death, for those who don't know, is just water or sparkling water, but it looks like a beer can. And it's called Liquid Death, so it's got some edginess to it. Yeah, it looks so like can... it looks like a super hipster high gravity IPA. Yeah, in a can. Yeah, because it's like you can drink a can of water and not look like a pussy. Right. That's that's the whole marketing. <laughs> that's the strategy. You know what? No mission accomplished. Yeah. Because I mean, it's got like you know this melted skull on it. It's tough. It's edgy, and it's water. Yeah. And you're surrounded by alcoholics. I'm like, I like this guy. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I remember the a uh, few years ago, uh, a buddy of mine who's actually in the beer industry had a bunch of liquid death uh, in his kitchen, and he was drinking on one, and he was like, "Try this," and I was like, "I don't know, man." And he like drinks like you know, the super high gravity stuff, the craft beer stuff, and I was like, "I don't know, man," because I'm I'm a bit of a beer, uh, uh, like. I, I stick to like wheat light beers. You know, I'm, I'm I'm very basic in that way. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know if I'm gonna enjoy this. He's like, Yeah, just give it a try. And I, I, I took a sip and I was like, hmm. Kinda just tastes like water. He goes, It is. And I said, No way. He goes, Yeah, actually read the actually read the label. And I was like, This is brilliant. This is brilliant. Cause it fooled me. Yeah. Yeah, if you look under ingredients, water, that's it. Hydrogen dioxide. Oh, yep, there it is. Two, two part hydrogen, one part oxygen. Oh, right. did I get that backwards? Dihydrogen monoxide. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Whoops. No, it's a rewind to like, you know, ju- junior high school chemistry class. Yeah. And I'm already like looking at the periodic table and how it got like a C plus. <laughs> Oh, periodic table. <laughs> but that was a good time because I because I'm not normally like a nightclub kind of guy. Oh really? No, no. I mean oh, I go okay. to comedy clubs, but that's the extent of it. I just go to comedy clubs and the gym. Oh. That okay. is the extent of my nightlife. Got it. Yeah, because back when I was like in, in high school and college, like whenever we go out to nightclubs, I just felt like out of place. You know? Really? I did. I mean because I don't know what it was. Like when it, when I was younger, it was like oh, I'm surrounded by douchebags. You know, yeah. this isn't my kind of crowd. Sure, sure. You know, and I did not look the way I do now. I'll say that mm. much. I mean, just picture what you thought like a video film nerd looked like at 19 years old. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There's okay. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Understood. So, it, yeah, that just wasn't my kind of crowd. But then when we went out, I mean, that was a good time just hanging out. We met a bunch of random people. There was, like, that group of Canadians. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was that one that one lady. She was a dentist. She was sauced up. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, what, what am I, I was, uh, I, they found out I was a stand-up comedian, and uh, I was talking to her, and I... I was asking her, do you think this is funny? I the re- I think the reason why women love serial killers is because, and before I even finish the sentence, it's because because they secretly want to get 
R worded. I'm like, what? Oh. God damn. <laughs> um All right. Crazy. Nice yeah, man, to meet you. I, I would think I would think you you could almost um yeah, I mean like like what you were just saying, like you could almost like kind of test material on the unsuspecting public. That well that that's that's what's uh what was useful about it. Also, um uh, it was. It's nice to know that I'm still attractive. Let me tell you, man. Girls were eyeing you up and down, <laughs> brother. I was like, I was chit chatting. I was chit chatting with this one girl, and then you walked up, and she, she dropped me like a bad habit. <laughs> like I disappeared, and she was like, "Show me your tattoos. Hello, what is your name?" And I was like, okay. This is the other see thing. See you later. <laughs> it's like, I guess I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> but this is the thing. In my defense, I am not used to that. Okay? Again, remember, okay. I still see myself as that 19-year-old film nerd. Mm. You know? Like, you know, glasses, bad haircut, flannel, didn't know, just awkward. So he's sure. technically still there. Mm. But here I come all walking with like, you know, one girl kind of like squeezed my biceps and like that. That was good. Also, I do not consent, but proceed. <laughs> but it's weird. Like, dude, those tatted arms, they they beg to be squeezed. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and but it, consent is also important. That That is also true. But yeah, it was just new to me because I didn't I'm not used to that kind of attention mm. and not that i don't appreciate i mean i i enjoy it it's weird because i enjoy it and i'm not used to enjoying that kind of attention mm. you know what i mean sure you know it's yeah it's like it's like, it's like being a stripper with your clothes still on <laughs> <laughs> like an i yeah. fucked is yeah. you know it's, it's good it's good it's like i am in dude one girl took a picture of me then walked away <laughs> For real, that was like you know it was like towards the end of the night. Oh my god! We were talking. She's like, I like it. Whatever she said. She's. I see her pull out her phone, just take a picture of me, and then leave. And like she just disappeared into the night, mm. like she never was. And I'm like, I'm in somebody's spank bank right now, so that feels good. Yeah, man. Well, I to some degree I can I can relate, and I think that pretty much. Probably most men, if they're being, if they're being honest, who have actually undergone like physical and mental growth of some kind, mm. have that experience where it's like your your um, experiences as a younger guy growing up. We a lot of us were probably awkward. I mean, you know, speaking for myself, I'm a super duper book nerd straight A student, that kind of thing, not really into sports, definitely not into working out. So, yeah, when you obviously, like, grow up and grow muscle, it's, and obviously, like, your physique, like, totally changes, um, it, it can be a really weird thing with the identity, the self-identity that you have in your mind, versus how you're actually like presenting out in the real world. 
Yeah. It's I, kind of a trip. I think it's a imposter syndrome. Where, sure. Yeah, where how you see yourself versus how society sees you are like in complete contrast to each other. Mm. You know? And now now I'm like slowly absorbing the reality of how I truly am perceived, which is good, but I also don't want it to go to my head. You know? Because I, mm. I don't want to come out there look with like the same level of ego as a Jersey Shore guy. You, you, know? you don't want to turn into the douchebag yeah. guy that you were originally no. trying to get oh, away no. from. Oh, dude, I remember. I remember. Uh, the ultimate, yeah, ultimate douche with like, you know, fake tan, sh- shaved body, the weird spike tips, <laughs> uh, bad cologne. And right. just And just, t- and just being, just talking to you know chicks at the club with a weird vibe you know what i mean and it just i don't know it it was too fake to me yeah and disingenuous i'm like that's just that's just not me like i like to tell dumb jokes a lot of inappropriate jokes and work out and listen and rock and mail that's pretty much the crux of my life you know let's you know we go on netflix and chill like want to just go home and watch ink master (laughs) <laughs> well that did, that or nailed it it was speaking of sweet tooth fucking nailed it is such a good show okay have you ever watched that no no oh it's it's awesome basically they take all these amateur bakers and they make them uh bake these overly complex professional cakes in like in a certain amount of time so you see what like the professional product looks like and what they make mm. <laughs> it looks like a pile of dog shit <laughs> So I just like nailed it, but still, like that adheres to my sweet tooth. But going back to what you were gonna say, oh, what was I gonna say? No, just that, man. I think, I think that, um, yeah, man. You just you stay true to yourself. I mean, I think, I think those tropes of like the d bag at the club, that that type of personality is someone who is probably like projecting an air of like fake confidence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And probably someone who doesn't really have a personality to speak of. Um and it's maybe almost like a um what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of a front. It's yeah. kind of a it's kind of a false bravado maybe. Yes. But I think that's one of the cool things about training is that when you actually undergo like the rigors that it takes to get stronger to build muscle and on the other side to like diet to to lose weight you you develop a certain a certain discipline Hmm. you know and um you know you build you build a certain amount of character by voluntarily going through a lot of these hardships that we do in uh training and and nutrition and that's that's not something that i think you have to like worry about like losing to the d-bag side of things if it's not already in you you know what i mean so i i would just this is kind of me giving you unsolicited advice not like to like not not worry about that not worry about having all that stuff go to your head because it probably won't if you're even having that thought in the first place yeah I don't know. I think it was more because, what like that night we went out there, people like you know again like girls were like eyeing me up and like squeezing my arms and I was great, but 
nobody asked about my personality. <laughs> <laughs> like I worked hard on I this personality, on personality. Well, for years. Dude. Because <laughs> I was this awkward loser. And now they got arms and, you know, physically, you know, I get attractive to a degree. Suddenly my personality means jack shit. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's probably how, like. That is the funniest part of this whole situation. That's probably how, like, most attractive women feel. Yeah. It's like you just, you can't, all you see is my body. Like, what about my personality and all that stuff? But, I mean, dude, on the other side of things, like, you're I feel an. like en- a chick. I mean, yeah. But you're, <laughs> but you're an entertainer. Um, so the looks hook them, and then you follow up with the personality. There we go. Right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's, I will say, like, I don't know if you've been around a lot of comics, but not a lot of good lookers. <laughs> We're still, a lot of them are still, I mean, there are, you know, there are, you know, good looking people who are funny, but not much, many. Uh, considerably larger ratio are still like that <laughs> trapped AV loser. Yeah. And, of course. and a lot of them are my good friends. Yeah. So, yeah, it's suddenly like, you know, I. Like, I went to the other side, and it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> you went to the other side. Yeah, well, I mean, it's stereotypical to say, but, like, if you don't have good looks, you you better be funny. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, that's why, like, you know, if you're, like, if you're not showing up on, like, you know, movie posters or magazines, then, yeah, you got to build a personality, and you got to lead with that. Because if not, then if you then you're just ugly all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's no there's just no saving grace. Yeah. It's just well, you know, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Then you get into politics and no. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that is their last. The, yeah, the last resort. When you hit rock bottom, yeah. you're just yeah, you're a political commentator. Yeah, just get on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but, man. But that that was definitely a lot of fun, and I'm definitely down to go back again, just to like, almost like conduct an experiment. Yes. See if yes. See if the results are still the same, or if it was just a fluke night. Before it's just a fluke, because I because I don't think it was a fluke, but at the same time, I I don't want that level of again ego to go to my head. But at the same time, it's like that wasn't a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, also experiment or practice so that you can you can get used to or you can figure out how you want to present yourself in whatever way you you want to. But you know? I, I do remember I remember seeing you. You were chatting up big time with a lot of ladies out there, too. You know what, man? I I am the stereotypical like extroverted introvert. Like I I actually find it like almost as a source of entertainment to meet new people, to chat with new people. That's I think one of the reasons why, and I don't think we've actually even really officially broached this uh, subject on this podcast, but I'm a personal trainer. My, my job is to be able to help, to empathize with, um, and, and to train and transform anyone who walks through the doors. You know what I mean? So for me, it's almost like practice of like meeting people and really seeing their worldview hmm. and, and doing it in a fun way. You know, it's like, 
hey, who are you? What are you all about? Like what's what's like what's on your mind? And you you can do that in a fun way just by just by seeing what people really want to talk about, what they're willing to talk about when they're just out drinking and talking to a stranger. Yeah. And that's like to me that's more fun than just about anything. Yeah, I do remember because it did seem like you were using that as a way to connect almost instantly with so many people. Because I saw you connecting just like, you know, one after another after another. Like, I, th- I think it was you that uh, uh, spoke to that guy with like that snakeskin suit. Do you remember who I'm talking about with the snakeskin? Yes, that tall tuxedo? guy. Tuxedo, yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah, and it's like, dude, yeah, you remember you walked in, it's like, dude, Killer outfit. Then you just you know, just like he, you you tell him for one, he wanted to talk about it, but two, oh, like yeah. you, you definitely seemed genuinely interested. I was, and and listen, it's not it's not fake. I I look at the guy in the corner with the snakeskin suit, and I'm like, what is that dude all about? Yeah, like you wanted to know. And within 45 seconds, I got my answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd have the confidence to pull off a snakeskin suit unless the you know occasion called for it, but like mad respect, you know, being able to like you know walk out with a snakeskin suit. Yeah, he was a character. Yeah, and yeah, going back to what you're saying about being able to connect with people people on a personal level, as far as their training goes, because you don't want to feel like you're just talking to a wall. Yeah, like you actually want to be able to connect with them and be able to motivate them and push them because I'm sure you've seen it. People like whenever they're like work, working out and pushing through, you can tell they their mind disappears. Mm. Like they disappear into their own heads when they're really, really pushing themselves. Yeah. Like they're really working at working through something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like with me, sometimes like whenever I'm doing a set, it's usually the last three that kill me. It's mm-hmm. the, and whenever those feel like my body's struggling and I want to push myself those three, it's like. I just disappear and think of of a time where somebody wronged me or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like you screwed me out of this show. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like what? Like what? Like where do you go? Like what's something that, you know, you you're like you always disappear into, mm. or something you like to like you know some sort of like emotional memory or something you use to help you push forward. Ooh, yeah, man. Great, great question. That's actually something that I've experimented with a lot over the years. Um, I've been, I've been the totally like stoic, like no music, like very chill lifter. I've been crank up the heavy metal, turn on the ACDC, scream, yell, slap yourself. I've been that lifter too. And I've been a lot like in between. These days, I try to, let's see, I really try to, I actually wrote about this a few weeks ago, I try to look at every set and every rep as its own goal, and so I'm not thinking about the full workout, I'm not thinking about the full program, I'm, I'm not even thinking about like the next exercise, I'm thinking, okay, I know that I can put X amount of effort and and X amount of tight technique into this rep. 
And depending on what the exercise is, depending on the weight, I'm like, I know how this can feel if I really push myself in an appropriate way. And my, I just get that visual in my mind, and I try to execute that to the closest way that I can. And then after every rep, I'm either like, yeah, that was it. Good job. And then that, that motivates me into the next rep. That, that gives me a sense of momentum. Or I'm like, hmm, something was off. And if it's, if it's me being lazy or me like rushing something, I'll, I'll get hard on myself. Like you, you may or may not be able to relate to this, but like nobody, nobody is as stern with me as I am with myself. Like, like, you know, I'm, I'm my own worst critic, that kind of thing. (laughs) So it's like, you know, you, you lazy son of a, you know, like tighten up, dude. Like, so I, I have a lot of self-talk in that way, um, but ultimately, it, I, I think the most, maybe, maybe the most unique thing is that I really just try to have a, have in my mind's eye what I want an exercise to feel like, and I just try to execute on that, and then I judge myself along the way and try to make you know, course corrections where necessary. All right, so you, I can definitely identify with you on being your own worst critic. I mean, yeah, dude, like comics in general. Like I could do a set on a show, and you know, I could, if you were in the audience and I murder, awesome. But whereas to me, I'm like, God, I forgot this joke, and I forgot that. I forgot to say this. Yeah, should have said this. And it's like I will tear myself apart, and yet to everybody else, like, dude, that was great. So Mm -hmm. it's like the level of, I guess, like it's good to have a standard for yourself. And like, I don't know if, um, I just read uh, a book on stoicism. I don't know if you know anything about stoicism. Oh yeah, man. Dude, like it's weird how like a bunch of gym bros are getting into Western (laughs) philosophy. (laughs) Yeah. And it like a lot of that I can vibe with because I felt like, you know, um, it was probably Marcus Aurelius, or dude, this is becoming a, such an educational podcast. Uh, Marcus, uh, get out your notepads, kids. Yeah, Marcus Aurelius or Seneca, who wh- whoever said, uh, "Be stern with, with yourself and uh, tolerant of others." I guess, mm, yes. I, as in, set the bar low for everybody else, but yeah. set the bar high for yourself, which is good because it's good to have standards for yourself and focus, you know, on yourself and. There's only so much you can control. And mm-hmm. what you can control is the amount of effort you put into your workouts as well as pretty much everything else. Yeah. Because I, I know there have been times where I go to the gym and I will push myself to like, you no know, absolute limit. I can have like C.T. Fletcher screaming in my, I have his podcast, like his whole motivational <laughs> album, and he'll be screaming in my ear. And I'll be like, rah! But there have been times not as much as they used to where I just kind of go through the motions mm-hmm. where it's just like, I have my routine. Yeah, here we go. Then I leave and i be like, did I even do anything? Mm. You know? And that's like not something I want to have. I don't want to leave the gym with like more than 50% of energy left in me. Right. You know, right. I want to know I pushed myself and you know, I did what I had to do. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's I know how you feel about being your own worst critic because 
there have been times where it's like, all right, I did all this work and suddenly I fall off the, off the wagon with food. Mm. And it's like, dude, you just had ice cream. What are you doing? Stop it. You know, it's like I'm at war with myself sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part part of that, like, creative visualization that I was mentioning, like, for each, like, rep of an exercise, I think it's also important to have that, like, for your entire, uh, for your entire, like, identity. So, like, speaking to your point about, like, you're leaving the gym and you're like, did I even do anything? I think it's also important to have that standard for yourself in the sense that, like, know who you want to be. Do you want to be the guy who, you know, to, to use your words, who leaves the gym without feeling like he even did anything? Or do you want to be the guy who, you know, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank? And that, that can be a very powerful mental exercise because you can be whoever you want to be. But, like, just make sure that it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I, might have to put my foot in my mouth after saying that, but like make sure it's realistic and also just make sure that like you're setting yourself up for success for the goals that you have in mind for yourself. And like me, if I'm, you go back to the ice cream example, if I'm like, okay, I'm not the guy who eats a pint of ice cream on a Tuesday night just because he's got a little bit of a sweet tooth. Like that's that's not me. Therefore... I'm not even the guy who walks down the ice cream aisle. You see, you see how it's almost like one layer deeper than mm. than what we were talking about, you know, before here in the show. So there's there's something to that, and I think like for people who are finding their way in the gym or maybe like any new hobby or behavior change, think about like, do I want to be the type of person who does this thing? Mm. And and that that can be a very that can be a very useful mental exercise. Yeah, dude, stoicism's a trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's really like if it's something some like basically my what from what I understand uh, the definition of it is to go through into <laughs> large amounts of mental suffering and not show any of it. That and love is just letting go of shit. Yeah, that, letting go me, is, is Letting key. go is like the best part. <laughs> yeah. You know, just letting go of your ego, letting go of things that like, you know, if you're letting go of grudges or things that are bothering you, it's just like looking at like big and little picture stuff. Mm. And what I liked about it was that like I'd be holding on to like a lot of stuff, like grudges or whatever. And it's like it's not doing me any service. So just let go of that shit and move on. Yeah. And that was so good. Mm. It's like, I want to read more. Like, it's also an accomplishment. Like, I read a book. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time you can brag to somebody, I read a book today. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a new flex. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in today's day and age, it's, it's definitely a flex. I mean, not that anybody would even, like, really care. I mean... I I would almost venture to say more the average, let's say, um, person maybe who's our age and younger would care more about, oh, like show me like the coolest TikTok that you found today versus tell me about the last book that you read. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the fact that that 
the thing that humans have been doing for thousands of years up until like 1995 has been suddenly turned into a flex into the year 2022. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, you could almost say the same thing about like lifting weights, you know, for for human history. Like we had to do manual yeah. labor. We had to actually use our bodies to to build our huts and find our food and to hunt our food. And so now that we don't have to anymore, it's like now the fact that you can is a flex. Yeah. So it's like these days, you don't have to read a book, but because you did or because you can, even if you even have the ability to sit down and focus on something for more than 30 seconds, that in and of itself is... You know, as the kids would say, weird flex, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll see somebody on social media. They're like, here I am meeting, making a dinner with my own home grade tomatoes I made in my garden in my backyard. And it's like, I get it. You're better than me. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm better than you and I know it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to have a flex here and there, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Oh, dude, let's, talk, dude, let's go more into training. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like I know you're, like you were telling me uh, when we were at the at the club that uh, you you actually trained somebody who's competing on national level now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, kind of funny story. Did you stay at the Westin Hotel in Vegas? The Westgate. The Westgate. Yes. So did I. At the same time. At well, so this is this is a funny thing. So I was actually at the Westgate several months ago. Um, coaching a longtime uh, friend and student of mine at USA Powerlifting National Championship, which was taking place at the Westgate. All right. Yeah. So when I saw your Instagram, I was like, I think he's staying at the same hotel that I was at. Dude. That's so funny. Dude, Vegas is a trip. I mean, for one, like, again, it was like, it's like a... The hotel we were at, the Westgate, it was like again like that fancy steak restaurant. Sure. Like sure. this place is too good for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Vegas Vegas is I don't know. There no, there's a place like, there's a place for everybody in Vegas. No, it was like that scene in Home Alone Two where he gets his own hotel room and, yeah. it's, and it's like this gigantic, opulent masterpiece, and he was this little like eleven year old kid and he has his own it's like a fridge full of cookies. And like this giant king size bed, and then I felt the same way. I walk in, I have like all this room. I have a king size bed. I can starfish myself all over, and this great view of the strip. And I'm like, this is too good for me. <laughs> like I do not deserve any of this, and yet here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, Vegas has that has that effect. Like that's kind of what it's designed to do: is make you feel like a king. And a king will throw his coins around willy nilly at the at the slots or at the at the card tables, as the case may be. Yeah, yeah that's I mean that's kind of that's part of the allure of Vegas is just that over the top. You can be a bum at home, but you come to Vegas, you can eat like a king, you can be treated like a king, that that whole thing. So that's that's definitely baked into the whole. The whole culture yeah, there. Yeah, I was definitely a bum in that hotel room. <laughs> I knew, like, <laughs> I just went into my regular habits. Like, I come back from the gym. I just throw my dirty workout clothes over this really nice lounge chair. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this probably costs a few hundred dollars or even a couple thousand. Well. <laughs> throw your garbage yeah, on yeah. it. 
Yes. It's now my trash can. And then part of me is like, worst things have happened to that chair. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. No, I'm do- what I'm doing is tame. Uh, yeah. But uh, but to get back to your original point, the reason that I was in Vegas, yes, was to uh, coach a um, gal named Tracy Cook, who, um, like I had mentioned, we've been working together for a long time. And she is, yeah, she's a champion powerlifter. And, um, yeah, powerlifting has been uh, kind of one of the pillars of my training and my training style um, over the years. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you were saying um, she uh, started with you when she was, like, in, like, her... Like in her forties, yeah, yeah, early forties, I think. Mm-hmm. And now, fast few fast forward, like you know, seven or eight years later. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, she's competing at national level. Yeah, and this was actually her, I think, uh, third or fourth national competition. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's it's never too late to start. That's good. Yeah. And uh, speaking of powerlifting, I love asking this question is because that's like your forte. How often do people ask you to help them move? (laughs) Honestly, more people should ask me because I'm very, (laughs) I'm very good. I'm very good with a couch. I'm very good with boxes. Um, No, I mean, what's funny is I I have helped people move. I, uh, most of my friends, funny enough, are actually like settled in their own houses here around town. So I haven't had to help many people move. Um, but I myself have moved many times around around Nashville. And I, I keep a very kind of minimalist uh, kind of profile because of that reason. But yeah, man, I mean, shoot, I've, I've had to like move. I think one of the most physically hardest things I've ever had to do um, was to... Uh, move a girlfriend's couch up three flights Ugh. of stairs, a walk-up, a walk-up apartment. Um, so, yes, if anybody out there, if you need help moving, um, we are, uh, I should say. You charge 150 an hour. I was going to say, we can talk about my rates to see if you even want to entertain <laughs> the conversation. Um, but, yeah, yeah, no, moving. I always like to say that, like, moving is a great test of your actual fitness. It is, and as somebody who's also, again, had to move all of his stuff from one state to another, um, most of it by myself, mm-hmm. it is exhausting. I mean, Parmi's like, oh, you really enjoy this, don't you? And Parmi's like, not really. Not, no. <laughs> no. No, I mean, because, like, you know, I think it's more the packing part than the actually moving stuff yeah. into a container. It's like all this stuff and you're back and forth and back and forth, just boxes of things like, what even is this? What yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when's the last time I'm going to play a PS3? Oh, boy. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, but anyway, Zach, this was awesome. This was such a good time. It's great seeing you again. Uh, before we go, let everybody know where they can find you, where you're at, how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. So – Holler at me on Instagram. I'm Zach Henderson underscore Z A C K Henderson. Um, I'm also on YouTube. You just Google uh, my name, Zach Henderson. And if you are into kettlebells, powerlifting, mobility, bodyweight calisthenics, um, you're sure to find uh, something that's up your alley. And if anybody is around the Nashville area or can make the trip, 
I'm I'm always happy to uh, help people out with their fitness, and we have a big two-day lifting seminar coming up in January called the Music City Liftapalooza. And uh, if you follow me on uh, Instagram or YouTube, you'll be privy to a lot of that here in the next couple months. Liftapalooza, where's that going to be happening? That is actually going to be happening at the Fit Factory gym right right here in downtown. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've rented out the entire gym for two full days. And we're flying in a special guest coach, uh, Dan John, who is a living legend in the uh, strength training community. So it's going to be a wild time. It's going to be like a lift and learn event. So if anybody is out there is like a training or lifting nerd, um, that will definitely be something you want to check out. Hell yes. So go check him out. You also have your own podcast. The Zach Henderson Project. The Zach Henderson Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, so wherever you get your podcasts, again, you can just search my name. Um, I try to make that easy on everybody across pretty much any platform. If you just search my name, Z-A-C-K Henderson, um, you'll be able to find me. So yeah, so me and my buddy Andy, um, we struck up a podcast about two years ago. That was the the show that you were on. Yeah, so we've got- good time. Between our show and then other interviews that I've done um, just kind of out on my own, I've got uh, well over 100 podcasts to sift through. Oof. So yeah, so I'm sorry awesome. about that. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, the more the merrier. That's so, it. So Zach, once again, thanks for coming by. This is awesome. Definitely go check him out. Once again, this is Hot Takes and Protein Shakes. You can find me, Tony Capriaco. Wherever you can get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, so on and so forth. Also, you can find me on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Tony Tell Joke. And other than that, everybody, I will see you next time. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been another fantastic episode of Hot Takes and Protein Shakes. And be sure to like, review, and subscribe to Hot Takes and Protein Shakes wherever you get your podcasts.